I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Seth. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 359 of Video Games Hot Dog, the one where uh, Seth Rosen is a guest. Yay! I am. Jim, Jim couldn't make it tonight, but Seth has graciously decided to pretend to be Jim. So... Yeah, tell us about your son, Winston. Uh, he's delightful. Yeah. And also my son. Did you see <laughs> that amazing picture of him, your son, that, I that your wife took? I took it and took? saw it. <laughs> What, I, and posted no. to Instagram. <laughs> no to all of the above. Uh, this disguise has broken down very quickly. It's just it's a picture of Winston doing some amazing uh, facial expression that I can't even replicate on this podcast because it's mm. an auditory medium yeah. and not a visual one. You also can't replicate it because Winston has face parts that you don't have. That's true. Like His, he, whole, his whole head is not fused together. Yeah, like he's moving has. around the bones in his skull individually as part of his uh, expression of disdain. Yeah. Whoa. Hey, did you, guys see, uh, did you guys see the new Salad Fingers? No, I, saw there, I didn't. Was it, there, there was a new Salad Fingers. Yeah, there was a it. new Salad Fingers today, is, the first one in many years. Yeah, like 15 years maybe? Yeah. It's been Good a while. Good old uh, Hubert Cumberdale mm. has, uh, has a pretty significant life event in this one. Okay. Seth, have you ever seen any Salad I Fingers? I watched a bunch of Salad Fingers in my youth, but yeah. I have not yet watched this new entry. It's pretty good. It's got one extremely uncomfortable uh, self-inflicted injury Ugh. that happens very slowly. Gross. <laughs> mm. It's very good. It's very Salad Fingers. <laughs> um, what have you been up to, Kevin? Uh, I went to go see some comedy at the... Sketch fest. Oh yeah, sketch fest. Too bad that this pop filter is not a sibilance shield. Shield. <laughs> Where I was with you. Yeah, but we're, go ahead and tell the story. Cobb's Comedy Club. Cobb's uh, Comedy Club. Yeah, uh, I got to see my friend Liz Winstead do some some stand up comedy and also just some just other Kevin's folks. friend Liz, the creator of the Daily Show. No big deal. Small detail. No, no, no name it's, dropping here. It's cool. She was great. She was great. Yeah. <clears throat> really excellent. And who was the other comic? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember her name either. She was great too. She was good. She was. Yeah. She was talking about like how she wants to like get rid of her kids and parents and stuff like that. And I was like, this is totally relatable <laughs> because we all have kids and they're all named Winston. Yeah. I, I, I don't have any kids named Winston. What? I want to get rid of all of my children that are named Winston, of which there are hundreds. That I know of. <laughs> <laughs> They're multiplying. It's it's bizarre and alarming. Yeah. Are you sure these aren't just like amoebas in a petri dish? Definitely not. Named Winston. Scorpions. I'm definitely not sure of that. You sneezed onto a bed of agar <laughs> and named the sneeze Winston. And now, every time I sneeze, I actually like say a name in the sneeze, and hmm. that's mm. just how they get named. Um, and also, uh, you. You uh, don't use Kleenex. You instead use Petri dishes full of <laughs> <Right>. agar. <laughs> agar the horrible, you call it. <laughs> um, what is agar? Is it just like sugar water? It's within some sort of like gelatin base or something. Mm, yeah. Mm, so is it delicious? Do humans? I don't know. Would a human uh, fed a steady diet? If a human was placed in an environment that was mostly, as far as the human was concerned, consisted of agar, would that human, like, just Be gain happy? weight? No. Gain weight until he filled up the available space? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe uh, if my... instead of agar, it was like ham? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you just put, I mean, maybe the entire world is just an experiment on the part of some uh, benevolent god or evil av- alien overlord to see what mankind does when given access to an, uh, an arbitrary amount of ham. Hmm. Uh, absorb the, it through osmosis, the, apparently. The world Not osmosis, is, because that's water, but... Are yeah. you suggesting the world is a ham pile? Sent to, sent to drain. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, there are not a lot of jokes centered around the, of ham. the lexical similarity between vampire and ham pile. <laughs> That's true. Yes. Underserved market. <laughs> Interview with the ham pile. It was one-sided. <laughs> the ham pile diaries. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, it's just a diary where the pages are slices of ham instead of paper. Um, do you remember there was, I'd like to actually find out who was responsible for these. Uh, the television show TV's bloopers and practical jokes had occasional segments that were like household tips, but they were effectively YouTube videos, but in the early eighties, I just remember one in particular that was, here's what you do. If you have a whole plate of bologna and a fly lens on one of the pieces, and it was just a video of a plate of bologna with a fly on it, and you shoo the fly away. Some hands come in and shoo the fly away, and then just shuffles the bologna as though it were a deck of cards and <laughs> spreads it back out on the plate. And says, now you don't know which uh, piece has uh, got the fly. Fly specs on it, so you're fine. And you can play a card game. It'd be rough. <clears throat> it sounds <laughs> difficult to shuffle a deck of bologna. You could play something like Love Letter that only had like, you know, a dozen cards mm. or, or whatever. But Also, the idea that like ignorance is your best defense against contamination. I mean, how many flies have been on that baloney while you weren't looking? I'm guessing a lot. Most of them in the world? I'm guessing every... Mm. If you had a, like some kind of special flashlight that revealed fly footprints, mm-hmm. there would probably be an alarming number of fly footprints on every slice of baloney you've ever eaten. What, like a flashlight? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what you would call a light designed to illuminate uh, meat, I guess. A flashlight? A flash a, a flashlight. Yeah. Oh, That's what they'd call it in Germany anyway. Yep. Well, what have you been up to, Seth? Uh It's been months since you were on the show. It has been. Um in that time I've made more of a video game. I went to a comedy show. And I was in L.A. for a week visiting some friends, uh, hanging out and working on our respective stuff, which was delightful. And going to some crazy meal. Yeah, we went to like a a tasting menu thing at a place called Scratch Bar and Kitchen that was 21 delicious, amazing courses. It was the kind of meal where you are like so overwhelmed by the flavors and mouth experience mm. <laughs> overwhelmed by the mouth experience the mouth experience was overwhelming would you say it was a juicy mouth experience <laughs> it was juicy oh. as all get out that mouth experience uh yeah so conversation was light but tastes were abound um it was it was one of the best meals i've had in my life wow was it pricey it was not cheap but it was not like as ludicrous as these things can be what was your favorite of the 21 courses? Uh, there were two that especially stood out to me, one of which was a bone marrow 
panna cotta dessert. Uh, dessert? Yeah. Huh. Bone marrow for dessert. Of course. Who knew? Uh, and use all the rest of the cow or whatever. <laughs> in, in all the, the previous bison. courses. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the other thing was a, a duck dish that was served over like a bed of lavender and hibiscus foam that was... Is this one of those like uh, micro gustatory situations where they're like every molecule is being arranged properly for you to taste? I think probably not quite that intense, but it is definitely a a meal that was full of process and and methods. Okay. Um, Yeah, it it was really exceptional. And it was also just like a nice kind of mental reset after a period of intense work. So it's been good. Lavender foam sounds like more soap. like something yeah for like shaving your legs than it I mean does I assume you can actually like if you were to bring a duck. razor to the dinner you could do that as well I mean you could probably you can shave with anything that's even remotely viscous right I think that's like agar true or <laughs> yeah. a ampile ampile's <laughs> pretty viscous yeah yeah you could just slap a Slap a nice, uh, thin, mechanically separated Carl Budig ham on your face, <laughs> and then just shave right through. I mean it. that that might just remove the hair on its own. <laughs> I haven't tried it, so there's no way to know for sure. You put uh, you make a sandwich and put nair on it instead of mustard. <laughs> wow, to get rid of all the like inside hairs. Yeah, what if you have a hairy tongue? Or if you want to like get rid of the hair on your butt, you just just just. Do you think squeeze? Anita Tongue's father is named Harry Tongue? I doubt it. What have you been up to, Riff? Nothing particularly new or special. I did another one of those uh, escape the crate boxes arrived in the mail. Uh, oh, one of the the uh, subscription ones. Yeah, we did the we did the Confederate spy mistress one. Oh, is that was... is that one of the back ones? Did you like special order it? Yeah. And it was not great. Really? I was surprised to learn that you liked it as much as you did. It might it might be that they're getting better as they go. The mm. the the new one, the Titanic one, was pretty decent. I also I also like back bought the uh 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 God, I almost said Benny and June. Uh Bonnie and Clyde uh one. Um same difference. But yeah, but I haven't I haven't played that one yet. Are, yeah, are these like basically escape room in a box kind of yeah, puzzle things? Ex- exactly that. Yeah, uh, they're a little bit more um, <clears throat> linear than than I feel like a lot of those things tend to be. Like it's, I feel mm. like it would really only be good for a single player or maybe two players because there's always a single puzzle to be worked on at a time, so it would be difficult to keep the interest of more than a couple of people because you you can't you can't do like you two guys work on this puzzle while we're working on this one but, we did uh, it with four people and we were all just sort of collaborating on the same puzzle but that was mostly just everyone watching kevin solve the puzzle yeah <laughs> um ah so puzzling with kevin yeah Puzzling my new with Kevin. my new podcast, <laughs> where I solve puzzles and you just listen. You're not allowed to take on any new projects unless we hire someone else to do part of your job. Okay, <laughs> the Fair puzzle enough. solving bit. No, that's the part Kevin likes. Hmm. 
Is every episode of this podcast going to have 10 guests, but they all have to be silent? Yeah. <laughs> you, have to guess, yes. you have to guess who the guests are based on the sound of their breathing. I think, the I think they can That's talk the occasionally, but they'd, uh, they'd all have to say the same thing simultaneously like a Greek chorus. <laughs> well, I didn't guess at the same time. Well, wow, that's the most complicated thing. It's like, here, I have 10 guests with me tonight. None of them will be speaking. <laughs> I mean, this could have always been true for as, as far as anyone knows. It's true. There's actually 30 people on this podcast yeah. right now. That's why the studio was so expensive. Right. It came with 30. It came with 27 <laughs> tiny people. <laughs> uh uh, you know what the best thing about 27 tiny people is? <laughs> There's 20 of them. Uh, I went and saw a movie with uh, my friend Seth Rosen. Oh, yeah? What'd you see? Oh, yeah. Reservoir Dogs. We sure did. Oh, so is nice. this like a, a plucky tale about some dogs that like find their yeah. way home after uh -huh. yeah, they get, being they get lost, lost in a reservoir? It's a sequel to Bound. It's weird to, that they didn't use the title again. But right. They have to find their way from the reservoir that they find themselves in to the reservoir where they were born. Right. It's weird that everything in this dog's life is a reservoir. Um, kind of some uncomfortable racial moments. Yeah. You know, like, it's about a bunch of guys that are very racist. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but still a fucking great movie. Yeah. I gotta yeah. say. It's a, a bunch of, like, people named after colors, right? That's their code They're names. Their code names, yeah. yeah. Okay. But it's like a heist, like, the, 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 you know, overall premise of it is it's a heist movie where you don't see the heist, and huh. mm. that's worked out really well yeah it it totally holds up except for the racism yeah Tim i mean Ross, racism holds up as racism still well, sure yeah that's true the his monologue where he's reciting the fake story about the drug deal yeah mm -hmm. yeah tim yep. roth is great what has he been in recently anything recently i don't know hmm i Want them to remake Clue with Tim Roth mm. as the Tim Curry. Okay. And Tim Heidecker as the Martin Mull. Now, I think you have to pick somebody whose first name is Martin. Oh, okay, Martin Short as Martin <laughs> Mull. Um, who else is in Clue? Um, the guy, what? Uh, what's his name? Uh, Judge Doom. Um I was thinking Judge Dredd. I was like, Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, Sylvester Stallone. No, so, uh, so another actor named no, Sylvester as the Sylvester from, Stallone. From uh, uh, Back to the Future. Oh, yeah. Christopher Lloyd. Christopher okay, Lloyd. So okay, so Chris, Christopher who, Walken. Chris, Christopher Walken as yeah. Christopher Lloyd. Okay. Um, I, Madeline, Madeline Kahn. Oh, Madeline, Madeline Albright. Oh. Yeah, okay. Sure. <laughs> Madeline Langle. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Pretty sure she's dead, but, you know, in our dream team, yeah. Clue remake. Okay, good. Um, I don't remember the guy who went on to play uh, the uh, electrically sensitive older brother in Better Call Saul, who was the gay FBI agent. Uh, that was... Oh, that was uh, Michael McKean. Okay, so Michael... Madsen. Sure. Is the Michael McKean character. <laughs> uh, let's see. Ma Michael Madsen did a special Alamo intro yeah. for. Uh, he sounds real rough. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he's necessarily had the best time. 
Yeah. Since that movie came out. It does. Like, he has the kind of voice where, like, wow, you it was not even like your character. Like, you, the human being, have just never stopped smoking cigarettes. Like, just every second you have a cigarette in your mouth. While he was delivering the speech about how you shouldn't uh, talk or text or arrive late or he'll cut your ear off, uh, <laughs> he was just chewing on a match. That's true. He <laughs> was. Pretty good. I, I noticed that. Um so good detail. Here's the thing that really drives me fucking crazy about the Alamo. Uh huh. There's a thing that Having they play. To remember it at the point where <laughs> you're supposed to start being quiet, like when the policy kicks in. But what they say is, this theater is now a quiet zone. Do not talk, text, or arrive late. You cannot possibly <laughs> have seen that <laughs> if you arrive late. Sure. And I know that overall the policy is that you're not allowed to do any of those things and they this is a point where they're listing the policies and so that's a way of communicating that but god damn it why wasn't that t- 10 minutes earlier when you well, also no, couldn't have seen it, it. <laughs> yeah I mean I guess there's no appropriate time to say it yeah, you, you will at never at the end of the movie no you will <laughs> you will never see a thing that says do not arrive late if they don't actually let you in if you're late Right. So there is no point. There's no point at which that makes any sense. Right. There's, Unless, ne- there's never any time where you could. It's like a don't read this sign rule. Okay. Unless you arrive late, go into the bathroom and then act as if you've merely gone to the bathroom and it's not arriving late. You're returning late. Oh. I find that there have been a handful of times when I have gone on dates at the Alamo. I generally don't want to do a movie date because I think a movie is a bad date because you can't talk during it, especially Text if it's or a arrive the Alamo. <laughs> but if I go on a date with somebody at the Alamo and it's their first, this is the first time they've ever been to the Alamo. Then they a, have to fight. Yeah, almost always rough. late. It is. Yeah, it is terrible. Um, they go up and we throw a toast at them and yep. uh, they don't know to bring an umbrella. And so as soon as the squirt guns start going off, they're like, what the fuck? I'm never going out with you again, you asshole. And yep. then they get kicked out for saying that out right. loud. Because you've already filed a complaint on them for yeah. being late. <laughs> it yep. is extremely stressful to be to wait for a normal person to go to a movie at the a Alamo normie. where they are going to show up at the time that it says the movie starts. That's not... You know, I'm saying that's what a normal person does. That is what a fucking lunatic does. That is what a fucking <laughs> a, a ne'er-do-well daredevil does. Shows up. The movie is at seven. At I time. should get there at about seven. Yeah. What oh, What the God, fuck yeah. is the matter with you? That's the it's, worst. It's terrible. It's a terrible date because of my neuroses combined with the <laughs> firm rules of the Alamo. I not knowing in advance that there's a really great pre-show at an Alamo, I think is a detriment because you should just tell them that you should get there early because there's always a really good sort of video series that plays before, like in the interim. So even if we don't have anything to say to each other, there's entertainment. Mm-hmm. That's what you can say. To always them. have things. Look, come on. Who are you talking to? Me. Your date. I always have something to say. Can you imagine a time when I don't have something to say to someone? <laughs> anyway, come to this theater and I'll talk to you. <laughs> and then get kicked out. Yeah. If you're looking for an ass kicking, come to this theater <laughs> after after the appointed time. 
<laughs> also, I feel like you could totally show up late. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that's a big deal. I, th- I think it would be very, very difficult for them to actually enforce that. Right. I suspect the worst thing that would happen is that you like didn't get served because they didn't like come around and say hey at the beginning. That's a good point because the server's not going to do their whole introductory spiel. That's true. Once the movie. What if started. you went to the Alamo Draft House to watch Step Up to the Streets and you were constantly watching the characters of the movie getting served, but you yourself were not getting served? You'd be very hungry and thirsty, probably. Kevin, I'm so sad that you're going to miss this Star Trek themed improv that we're going to go to next month. Yeah, me too. Riff, do you want to come to San Francisco just to go to a Star Trek themed improv with us? Wow. Or does that sound no. fucking terrible? <laughs> <laughs> I bet it's going to be pretty good, though. I, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And I'm not going to pretend like I don't get most of the jokes. I bet. I will because I won't. You never, you know, you weren't a Star Trek. I one. have watched some number of episodes of Next Gen. And Is that number like six, 60? What? Is that how? What, oh, no, as in number of episodes. Yeah. Uh, no, it's said, like what, how, 10. What, uh, 10. And I had some roommates when 100? I was back in Boston. Nope, that's more than exist. Probably. Uh, I had some roommates back in Boston who were watching Deep Space Nine, so I like passively absorbed some amount of that. I did not care for it, but did you? Uh, what was your? Uh, where did you come down on the Bajoran Cardassian conflict? <laughs> I could not even tell you, Zach. Yeah, me neither. I never saw it. I just know that. I think this is like original series improv. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I will still not get any of the chicks, but it'll be fun. And I'll be stunned by their phasers. <laughs> Sorry. Have any of you played any video games? Is, are we supposed to have done that before this show? We could play something now. Okay. I'll, give me five minutes. What have you played, Kevin? Uh, so I have played a little bit of Dead Cells. I went back to that after having been frustrated because I kept sort of encountering the curator the overseer i don't know the the, the boss that was on the bridge um and Is the bridge didn't... like after the ramparts yep yep the black bridge i don't think i ever made it past the ramparts um i never made it over the ramparts yeah <laughs> uh and i finally got there with a and i was just like you know what i'm just going to put down a bunch of traps and then just dodge and not actually try to engage and that worked that was i was how i was able to to beat that boss um turns out i'm bad at the fundamental combat systems but i'm okay at like the tactical combat systems um in the game in, in dead cells once you so. beat it does that mean that you don't have to beat it again and you can go through there or I do don't you know. still have I, to I fight just, the boss oh I you did it, did it once and once. quit yeah and like, well, I, mean, right, I kept playing it. that that game but then once i died i, I stopped but i made it I, I made it past the next boss as well the mm-hmm. like time lord timekeeper Clock town? Probably it's Time Lord. Clockman? Clockman? Clockman. Yeah. It's like a it's like a boss from Mega Man. Um, <laughs> was there, like, there must have been like a time guy in Oh, it was called Time Guy. <laughs> there must have been Is a, that the villain in Time Crisis? Chrono Man. I surely there's some Mega Man villain that is Cuckoo Man. Yeah. 
either a bird from a clock or an actual clock or time itself. Actual <laughs> clock, man. It's not even a robot. That's got a nice it's ring just to an it. inanimate clock. It's not a very hard fight. Yeah. But the you know, there's a time limit, so that makes it harder. <laughs> so so far all I'm seeing is like Mega Man fanfic stuff about Time Man or Clock Man. Hmm. There's a Is that not a Mega Man boss? There has to have been a Mega Man boss that was I mean, time-based. there's a clown man, so there has to be a time man. Because in the not... hierarchy of bosses, time always comes before clowns? Yes. And just sh- in the hierarchy of anything. The hierarchy of concepts? Yeah. <laughs> like, there, there exists no society that doesn't have a word for time, but does have a word for clown. <laughs> <laughs> and there's probably... In an infinite universe, there is some species of intelligent life that has clowns, but does not perceive the passage of time. (laughs) And it seems like that would make it very hard because like a lot of what makes clown timing, a lot of what a lot of what supports (laughs) the clown arts. Yeah. Requires. Yeah. You know, timing. That's good. That's very much better Apt. than where I'm going with this. Yep. Um, <laughs> oh, no. But, like, at least for things to happen in an order, right? Like, you, like yeah, something has some to happen. cause and effect, yeah. Well, does, does sequence necessarily require passage of time? Yes. I guess so. It at least requires different times to exist That's because true. sequence is this, you know. Or just uh, you could have a sequence spatially separated, I guess. Like uh, you just have four clowns, clowns in this universe. <laughs> yes. Four clowns holding a pie increasingly closer to yeah. a uh, second clown. Like a live They're only newspaper comic strip. Or zoetrope. Yeah. They, so they then, they put, they take a series of identical clowns <laughs> in slightly different positions, put them in a centrifuge <laughs> with the audience in the center and turn on a strobe light. Although... That still requires the yeah. passage of time. Like, what is a strobe light? They don't know. A oh. single clown throwing a pie in another clown's face, if you viewed time as a, like, as a linear progression instead of a thing that you moved through, would, would look sort of like you're describing, right? It was yeah, I suppose that's true. Like, if you perceived all of time as one, yeah. it would still be, it I would, mean... It would look like two clowns connected by a pie cylinder well you're assuming that t- the time is not discrete i think time is discrete time is like quantized it's not it doesn't so like you, there are individual slices of clown is what I'm trying to <laughs> no! say. like in the cell <laughs> next to the ham pile there's a clown pile yeah. when, when jennifer lopez is when jennifer lopez is like oh what a what a lovely clown i i wrote a clown just like this when i was a child and then and then the razors slam down and neatly split the. <laughs> yep. You can have a deli slicer without time, so I think we're on track. Yep. <laughs> well, can't I mean, the meat is both sliced and not sliced. It's like Schrodinger's sandwich. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Cat, cat meat. That's 
Schrodinger's cuts. Um, so dead cells and yeah, what else? That's a that's about it. I didn't really play still playing games. on that switch. Yep. Do you play mostly handheld? It varies, but yeah. I mean, the the time that I have to play is usually after Melissa's gone to sleep, uh, and our TV is in the bedroom, and so she's she's out, and so I don't get to play on the TV much. She get her uh, sleep mask. Yeah, I mean, I could maybe like just encapsulate her in foam or something, uh, maybe mm-hmm. some sort of lavender foam. Yeah, and then and then uh, shave her. <laughs> yeah, you could shave her while she was asleep. <laughs> yeah. And uh, also, if there was an earthquake, she would be protected. That's true. Yeah. Or a, she wakes up smelling fresh. Or a cryosism. So uh, I was just before the podcast, I was reading about how in the the frigid Northlands, uh, the temperatures are getting so cold that like the groundwater is freezing and the ground will just crack. Oh, seism is S-E-I-S-M. S- yes. Okay. Yeah, like seism- seismic event. Not like you ordered a, you ordered a ice Size cream medium. meal at Dairy Queen, and they ask if you want to cryosize them. Sure. <laughs> yep. You ordered some of meals. You ordered some ice cream meals from Dairy Queen, and they ask if you want to cryosize them. Okay. Huh. Yeah. So, is it like? It's like a very low grade earthquake. Stuff it feels doesn't like one. freeze like all at once, though. But I mean, it, no. But it builds up pressure. Oh, and then and then releases in gotcha. some sort of significant event. Although apparently, compared to most earthquakes, it's, it's not really a big deal. So I hope uh, any listeners that uh, we have in the parts of the world that are being affected by this cold snap uh, are okay. Yeah, and staying too. inside yeah. with a nice hot cup of cocoa. Sure. Or a TRS eighty cocoa two on which they're playing Madness and the Minotaur to stave off the chill of the grave and the chill of the outside air. Which will lead to the chill of the grave. Eventually. Yeah. Everything eventually leads to the chill of the grave, Seth. True enough. Except for this clown non-time universe. Oh, yeah. 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 I guess those clowns are always the same distance from the grave. There's still birth and death in the non-time universe. It's just you perceive it differently. Mm, You perceive the whole thing (laughs) as a piece. You're just a person cylinder leading from a womb to a grave. (laughs) Sure. A tube of person. It's quantized. You're you're a bunch of slices of person. Just (laughs) saying. How far apart are they? (laughs) Like, what's the least distance you can move? I don't know. It's probably uh. it's it's faster than twenty four frames a second, right? So, <laughs> could you shuffle two people together? Uh, oh, sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Do you think that like if you perceive time as all being th- the same, yeah. like is being in the same place as someone else at a different time, uh, like yeah. super weird and intimate? Like if you bar someone else's chair. Oh, yeah, wow, a game of musical chairs must be horrifying. Oh, no. It's A, cacophonous, and B, very crowded. (laughs) What have you been playing, Riff? Um, Mostly just Dragon Quest Builders still. Uh, I also played some of um, that turn-based golf game that one of you guys mentioned last week. Oh, Golf Peaks? Yeah. Yeah, that is pretty good. That's a good, cute little puzzle game. Into Um, Dragon Quest Builders. Oh, in Dragon Quest Builders, I believe I'm about... 
assuming it's assuming it keeps the the uh, three teleport tiles per world scheme. I'm about halfway through world three. Okay. Cool. I am. Um, I played about. 12 or 13 hours of Pillars of Eternity 2. Uh, Pillows of Eternity. Pillows of Eternity 2. They released a patch. They're saying this feature is in beta, uh, but it is turn-based combat. They patched turn-based combat into what was otherwise a real-time with pause game that I would probably never have played. Oh, interesting. Um, and it is cool. It is a big sprawling uh, RPG that's sort of piratey. Uh, you're you got a boat and you go around between islands and stuff. Although the majority of my playtime has been sort of in one city and its associated dungeons. Uh, there's just some very very large quest lines that are side quests that take place in the first sort of big city that you get to. Um, the way the this- turn-based combat. Is this the one that's like uh, Planescape Torment? No, that is uh, Torment Tides of Numenera. Okay. And that, I believe, had turn-based combat from the outset. Uh, but it kind of doesn't matter because that game is not really about combat. Like, at least the way that I played Tides of Numenera, like, if I got into a fight, it was because I fucked something up. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> that is not the case. You could not play Deadfire without Pillars of Eternity 2 colon Deadfire. You could not play without uh, combat, I don't think. Like, you can stealth. <clears throat> um, there's this sort of meta layer of making sure that your pirate ship has enough, like, food and medical supplies and repair. And so a lot of the, a lot of the uh, containers that you open in the world just have, like, some food in it, and it doesn't... Maybe you can consume it. Uh, but maybe it's for the ship. Yeah, but you can also just put it on the ship. It, it at the very least seems like they're mostly there to provide benefits to your crew on the ship. There's this whole like ship-to-ship combat system that takes place in a kind of a dialogue tree that I was not entirely sure how anything worked. The only time I ever got attacked by pirates, I tried to get away from them and they caught me. And then I tried to drive them away in the turn-based like ship-to-ship combat thing and that didn't work so they boarded me and then it started a turn-based combat between like my entire party and then like 10 other people on my ship and then like 15 people on their ship and they just like destroyed me Hmm. there was no chance that i would ever have been able to win that fight which i just don't assume that's like way larger scale than your normal like human-to-human combat yeah, I have six party members, and it seems like there is no more room in the UI. So I mm. think six, I think my character and five companions is all. My, uh, I made my guy a wizard, and he is like the most useless. Of, I might have just not built him correctly, but all of the NPC party members that I've gotten are so much more effective than uh, than my guy is. They, <clears throat> a lot of the spells in the real time with pause combat system were balanced by their casting time, which is a weird thing to adapt to a turn-based system. But the way that they've done it is clever. 
there is a there is like a modality of turn-based combat that you see in a lot of newer RPGs. Like I think the Hairbrain schemes, Shadowrun games work like this, where in addition to your you've got your people on the battlefield, but then there is a UI element that is just a timeline of when different characters are going to get to act. And that is like, we know from West of Loathing that it is sort of difficult to balance. It's very difficult to balance combat in a meaningful way without who goes first being an extremely outsized, important aspect of it. And with West of Loathing, it became especially apparent that it's like, well, if you've got like three people on your side of the battlefield and three people on their side of the battlefield, whoever gets to go first is going to have a huge effect, right? Mm -hmm. Because all three of them get to act. Threading people into a timeline of a combat by what their initiative or their speed skill is, is fine. But I would almost prefer if I couldn't see it. Oh, so it's visualized as well. It's visualized. Yeah, it tells you there's just like a little chart I mean, on it, the on the top, which allows. I I understand that it would allow a person who wanted to spend more time playing this game to like, okay, well, this enemy is going to act before my healer can act, so I better get my guy who's low on hit points out of the range of their attack if I'm going to. But I just don't want to think about things that much and so to me knowing what order these things are going to happen in is just kind of a distraction but it is interesting because it allows them to preserve that cast time balance thing because on your turn as a spellcaster you just start casting and then it pops the conclusion of that spell into the timeline Hmm. right however far along and it's like lower level spells like you the the more as you level up, the lower level spells sort of gain. I mean, kind of like how Magic Missile in Dungeons and Dragons, like you shoot X projectiles per level or whatever, like you get one per every three levels or whatever. So it becomes a spell that's still valuable to cast even even as a high level. And one of the things that they do in this is the casting times get shorter in on easier spells as you level up. And so it's just there's less less opportunity for like if you're targeting a spot on the ground with a fireball, there's less time for like people to move out of the way. Or whatever. So it sounds like functionally what they've done is pr- actually preserved the real-time possible combat, but just made it so that it automatically pauses for you any time you would get to go again. Sort of, except they had to institute a, like a movement, oh, a sure. constrained right, movement right. system, right? Because they don't actually they, – they're tracking how much time stuff takes, but they're not modeling characters moving in real time. Mm-hmm. It was a significant overhaul. Like, it yeah. was clearly a lot of work. So does this completely do this. replace the real-time combat, or is it a choice now? It's a choice in the beginning of the game. God, that's wild. Oh, that you have to make once. Yeah. Wow. Uh, because I imagine that a lot of the skills and stuff just have to work totally differently. Um, but yeah, huh. it's like you are no longer able to rely the way that you do, I think, in these kind of Infinity Engine-inspired games on AI scripts for your companions because you just have to make all the choices. Um, 
But I don't know. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm playing it not on like the easiest mode, but on the next to easiest mode. And so fights are generally not like I'm just more or less not going to lose a fight and more or less never going to lose even one character. And if I like is a rare fight that even one of my people gets like knocked out. Um, but there's still incentive to like rest at an inn because you get these, you get like a certain number of like boosts to abilities, which are just like, this will just make a spell way more powerful or make an attack do twice as much damage or whatever. And those don't get replenished until you go find an inn somewhere. And there's like inns have different, you can pay different amounts for different rooms and they, you'll like have buffs the entire next day until you rest again based on a softer bed makes you stronger. Yeah, exactly. That there was, the one that I went to was like there was it was sort of a strip club uh, bar in the pirate town and you could either sleep in the storage room behind the stage for free and get no benefits or you could stay in the private dance room. You can go upstairs to where there's prostitutes and there's like one dwarf guy that I didn't get a chance to see what his like prostitute services are. I think he was just a masseuse or a masseur. Uh, but I recruited him into my party before uh, we had a chance to uh, exchange any goods or services. And then there's like a sort of fire succubus off-camera dominatrix. And then there's a lady who will read you some poetry. And those are the three prostitutes. Can, those can you just three, get massages on demand now those from are the your three party member? kinds of prostitutes. I don't know. I haven't actually. I, I already had my party full. So I didn't actually, uh, oh, didn't so actually you, let so him So you couldn't uh, recruit the other two as well? Well, they didn't. I didn't get the option to recruit those. I mean, oh. he was also like a big, strong dwarf, right? So that's like, that's a guy you yeah, would Yeah, he needs those you. dwarf muscles to push on your muscles. But you could t- taking an evil fire succubus with you also, that, she seems like she'd be pretty valuable in combat. Yeah, right? Especially like, if she stays off screen, it's going to make it hard to hit her. That's true, yeah. <laughs> if all of her action takes place where you can't see it, where even the enemies can't see it. Yeah. The poetry lady, I'm not so sure she would be a valuable asset to my, you know, when I was down really in the shit fighting some skeletal. Maybe she was cutting words. Could be. Yeah. She'd probably distract the enemies. Maybe your enemies get bored and leave. I don't know if a skeleton archer is really like, ooh, a sexy college girl. I'm going (laughs) to not shoot the cleric. That's what I always think. Whenever I see a sexy college girl, I'm like, I totally lose interest in my current plan of shooting a cleric. <laughs> um, also, uh, I played, this came out today, but I played a couple hours of the Subnautica expansion oh, that wow. nice. released into early access. It is weird to me that they've been working on this for like a year at least and they released it and it was in early access and they're saying it's going to be in early access for at least another year. Um, Do you have any sense of like how large this expansion is? It's smaller than the original game. Okay. Uh, in terms of the land mass, at least, or the sea mass. Um, no there's mass. land under the sea. The Christ mass. I guess that's true. Does the sea floor count as land? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Does anyone own it? You can't, like, buy real estate in the middle of the ocean. Uh, not on our planet. Okay. Good point. <laughs> this does not take place on our planet. Why can't you buy real estate in the sea? Countries are 
assholes. So okay, if but you, can you buy like just off the coast? Like offshore, before you hit national waters? Oil platforms are so. owned. I think they own the mineral rights to that particular location, but I don't know that they own the land rights to that location. But they were able to build stuff there. It's a, Aren't they like floating? Platforms? They're allowed to shoot down any airplanes or helicopters that are above them that they don't like. <laughs> I know that for sure. Just like at your own home. So you can own yeah, a boat. if you don't boat. like the color of an airplane, then you can just shoot it. You can own a boat, right? So if you deliberately you really? sank that boat, would you still be... Like, if you own a boat, you can go there. That's just like a thing. Like, you get to go to your boat because you own it. If you deliberately sank your boat, uh-huh. you could go there. What if Maybe. you did this hundreds right? or thousands of times and made a boat island? Like a boat carpet on the bottom of the ocean, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, like... All right, so I can go to my boat if it's sitting on the ocean floor. Uh-huh. I mean, I guess we first the first axiom is I can go to my boat if it's on the ocean's surface. So if I sank it, I could go to my boat if it's on the ocean floor. Now let's say I yeah. poked a hole in my boat and let some dirt in. I could still go to it, right? Like that doesn't fundamentally change things. What if I poked so many holes in my boat that there was no boat anymore, just the dirt that had been let in? I can still go to my boat, so therefore I now own that section of the ocean. Is is there a follow-on statement here that if you, like, shovel some earth into your boat while it's still floating, that you now own that earth? Well, yeah, wherever you take it. So if you go and just, like, pour it out in, I don't know, uh, Steph Curry's mansion. <laughs> Do you think Steph Curry has a mansion? Sure. Okay, so you take some dirt, put it on your boat. Now that's yours, because you can go to your boat. Yeah, <laughs> if you put, being wait, able to go to wait. your boat is nine tenths of the law. <laughs> if you put your boat on somebody else's property, you might not be able to go to your boat. I guess if your boat gets impounded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and why is the same thing not true of a car? I guess I could just drive my car to somebody else's. I could drive my car into somebody else's house and say, <laughs> I live here now. And I say, this is mine. I'm allowed to be here. Look, I can this, go to my car. This subset of your property is my property. <laughs> yeah. And as long as you're on top of your car, you're technically not in their house. You're in your car. So then you start flattening your car out. <laughs> to cover more and more of their house, you're technically still in your car where you're allowed to be because, as I said earlier, I can go to my car. Can can you also, like, unwrap your car and fold it around someone else's yeah, house? Yeah, like if you had a stretchy you've just rubber subsumed car. It? Yeah. What if they what would if, let you drive what about a stretchy a, rubber car? What about a hot air balloon? <laughs> hmm. Yeah, are you allowed to go inside the balloon? I, I mean, don't know if, if it's you are. your balloon. You don't own that air, Zach. There's a hole in the balloon. Yeah, I'm pretty sure in order to count as being in your car, you have to be touching the car. Like if you are in a really big car and you jump, you're <laughs> now you're subject to whoever you're owns immediately the, trespassing the airspace. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's but, fine. I mean, yeah, I good mean, luck you'll... the cops showing up before you land. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> they arrest you via hook shot while you're in the air. Mm. If you were on the moon, they would have a little more time to respond. <laughs> sure. <laughs> They'd need it. Well, I'm assuming they would also be on the moon. Oh, okay. I mean, it's not... <laughs> Man, do you think that... It, 
Elon Musk could invent a rocket so good that someone could jump on the moon and he could get there before they landed. <laughs> How good is this person at jumping? The answer also, is yes, either way. <laughs> I also played... Uh, I got on this email mailing list that you recommended to me that I don't remember what it's called. Tedium. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's called Tedium. And it's like usually some tech thing or some weird esoterica that he just like writes an essay about like twice a week, maybe just like a little article about some weird thing. And today's was super interesting was about the MSX. Yeah. Uh, this Microsoft hardware platform from the 80s that only came out in Japan. Yeah. Um, and it had a bunch of games on it. And one of the games that was mentioned in this article was a sort of parallel release version of Castlevania. And I got curious about what that was like. It was called Vampire Killer. And so I downloaded an MSX emulator and the ROM of Vampire Killer to see how it differed from Castlevania. And it differs from Castlevania a lot. Yeah. Uh, it is... A lot of the sprites are the same, but it has a different color palette. And so there are some pieces of the art that are look way nicer and more crisp and clear. And then some that are very different. The zombies are wearing like monochromatic, like bright pink shrouds. Okay. Which is a little goofy. They don't look nearly as good. There's no scrolling. It's, you're just moving like room to room. And the levels are nonlinear. They are... Like the first level is like maybe nine, a maze of like nine screens in a three by three uh, grid. And it wraps around, I think. Huh. Like I think if you go off to the right side on the bottom, it, it wraps around. There are chests everywhere and keys hidden in the environment. And the, you take a key to a chest and you get a power up. But you can only carry one key. Uh, there are like, there's like, boots you can get that make you walk faster like there's a bunch of things that do not exist in regular castlevania just a bunch of different power-ups there's not a button to use sub weapons but you can get sub weapons there's just like a trick to they either replace your whip but like the boomerang you throw it and if you don't catch it you're just back to having your whip <laughs> so those work slightly differently you can get holy water but the way that works is you jump and then hit either left or right while you're in midair and you will throw a holy water. Uh, there's another thing that there's the time stop thing that you uh, hit down while you're in midair. I think you can have all these weapons at once. Jeez. Um, various other like power ups. You have to find a key to get through the door that leads to the boss. Um, I got killed before I got to the boss in the first level, but it's like very weirdly different in some fundamental ways. And I imagine that the vampire sprites are also just hand piles. They are. Yeah. <laughs> it's easier because they had that pink from the right. zombie. Trials. They'd already invented the color pink so they could do it. Yeah. Um, I didn't get to any hand piles, so I don't know how faithfully they were rendered. <laughs> uh, but it was kind of. So, <clears throat> you know how when we were children in the 80s. Every once in a while, there would be like a PC version of a Nintendo game 
there would just be some weird oh, yeah, computer like, port of like Mega Man yeah, or whatever. Yeah, Mega Man DOS. That was a pretty good run on the last GDQ. And they're usually very bad, yeah. right? Because the hardware, like, it, they're just not as good at doing the things that Nintendo games do as, like, remember how big of a deal it was when Commander Keen, like, John Romero figured out, no, John Carmack figured out how to do scrolling on normal PC hardware, which was, like, just a thing that was in every Nintendo game because the hardware was optimized for it. But doing smooth scrolling in a video game on a PC was very tricky. Um, this feels like that. This this MSX Castlevania feels like, oh, this is like it was a PC port of a Nintendo game that's compromised in some weird ways, except that it's it like adds as much as it takes away and it's structurally very different. And I'm I don't know that I'm going to play it anymore. I think I would be just as well served by like watching someone who understood it, play it and talk about it. Uh, but it was neat. It was like finding a, just a alternate universe, different version of Castlevania. That's cool. Yeah. It sounds like an interesting artifact. How hard was it to get an MSX emulator running or whatever? Not hard at all. Hmm. I searched for MSX emulator and I downloaded the first one. It took me like three tries to find a site that had the ROM. There was one that was like, click here to download your ROM. And then 30 seconds, it said, your ROM will download in 30 seconds. And then 30 seconds later, it said, file unavailable. Okay. I was like, well, fuck off. How many ads did they show you in that time? Couple, you know. Cool. Have you been playing any video games, Seth? I have been playing some video games. Um... Namely, Slay the Spire, Hades, and most recently, Paratopic, or maybe Paratopic. I'm not sure what the correct pronunciation is. Paratopike? Yes, precisely. Talk about them in whatever order you want, Seth. Okay. Uh, so, Slay the Spire, have, have any of you folks played that? Yep. I played um, a bunch of it. Yeah, it's really great. It's, I mean, it's a deck-building game that takes a lot of smart advantages of being in a digital medium. Or a digital media. A digital, yeah. Um. It's, I mean, it's a thing where you play a bunch of card battles and and get more cards and there's cool synergies and it just like is the kind of low key but sort of interesting to optimize thing that my brain likes to do after a, ga a day of working on video games um, for whatever reason, like that and Magic the Gathering are, are relaxing to me because there's no time pressure in general. Um, and you can just like find cool synergies. And that's, I'm totally of the like magic archetypes, a Johnny player. Uh, just this idea that like there are people who like min maxing, finding synergies or playing big cards. And I'm the middle one of those. Uh, so, so there's also a great Vorthos. Oh, what? There's a fourth, uh, a fourth, uh, is this real or is this a bit? No, it's real. It's a fourth character that's been added to this, to Mark Rosewater's psychographic, uh, hierarchy. Vorthos, uh, just cares about lore. <laughs> so he wants to build a Very deck. Very appropriately he wants to named. build a deck that makes like, like narrative, thematic, narrative yeah, and thematic uh, sense. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't care oh. about that personally. Could you do that with Hearthstone, do you think? Could there be oh, a... God. I mean, surely a deck that was 
thematically all appropriate. I mean, there, there are like, like a murloc. Yeah, deck murlocs is... and like things that are pretty contained in terms of what diversity of cards you have. Okay. Um, but I also feel like Hearthstone in general is too wacky and all over the place to like do that in more than one or two cases. I guess if Orthos wouldn't play like both Onyxias in one deck or both Deathwings or both mm. Hoggers or whatever. There's two Onyxias? Maybe not. Maybe I'm confusing. There's two Deathwings and two Hoggers. Yes. Mm. That's an odd choice, I think. I mean, Deathwing and Hogger are definitely the two main characters of World of Warcraft. Okay. And the son of Aragal. <laughs> Right. The third main character. But there could be multiple sons of Aragal. It's true. Son of Aragal. More like son of a bitch. That elite mob killed me again. <laughs> ah, those were the days. Do you ever fight Aragal? Yeah. He's the uh, He's in, the boss of that. Yeah, the boss area. of Shadowfang Keep. Isn't you get the staff of you ran me through Shadowfang Keep on Gron, and I got the staff of Aragal, which I still sometimes use as my transmog. It does uh He's arguably easier to beat than the Sons of Aragal, right? Like, because they were elite units. Well, there were several levels you, above the, there. But I mean, the point is that you're always alone when you get ambushed by the Son of Aragal, oh, and you're always in a group when you're in Shadowfang Keep. I see. Right? Yeah. That's the point. That's the point. Yeah. I would say that that's what World of Warcraft is about. <laughs> that's the fundamentally main thrust <laughs> of the narrative. Those two encounters, and whether you're in a group or not when you get to those two <laughs> encounters. What do you uh what do you, what kind of a, what kind of deck do you make in a in a slay the spire? Uh for for the first while of playing that game I was like super in on the defect which is the like sort of random effect passive orb character who has a lot of unpredictability um and I liked how kind of automatic it could be but recently I find myself just playing more the silent and ironclad which are uh, like the rogue and warrior respectively uh, and just trying to go for like maximally synergistic builds because that's the way my brain works so and, the, and I mean it's what the game supports right yeah, like totally. they've pretty clearly got like a few avenues kind of that you're supposed to go yeah. down yeah a few archetypes are playing into it's it's frustrating when you just sort of like oh, I've got a really good card for one archetype but none the, of the uh, rest of the pieces um but it's it's like the chase is still enjoyable. Like you, even when you inevitably don't get that like you know perfect deck or or whatever, you're still able to put together something that's pretty interesting to play. So what does it mean to construct a deck and play the spire? Whenever you beat an enemy, you get to add a card to your deck if you want. Yeah. What do you start with? Uh, you start with a very ba- very boring and bad deck, uh, depending on the class. You start with some basic attack cards, some basic defense cards, and then like. Two, yeah, two class like class specific, specific cards, cards that I see. often don't actually really play into the like builds you're going for. They're more of just like a baseline flare. Hmm. Um, and you you start with about ten cards in your deck, I think. And I I think like people who actually are serious about being successful in the game tend to be pretty choosy about what they add and how how they like keep their their deck slim uh but i find that i usually have like 30 or 35 cards in my deck by the end of it because i like cards and making more things happen okay because i like cards yeah cards one of my favorite good objects is a card (laughs) they're digital though it's not a card 
if you get a complete set, will they mail you a set of full <laughs> full set of cards? Definitely not. Okay. What um, if you slay, in, in fact, slay like the, the spire? The game wouldn't even work as a like physical thing, just because of specific things that they've done in terms of. I mean, I guess you could make it work, but it would just require so much bookkeeping, bookkeeping and like fiddly bullshit that it wouldn't be fun anymore. Because um, there, are, there are a lot of like, you know, this procs based on this, and mm. then that triggers three more things, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. The word proc, man. Yeah, it's just that's another word that just doesn't have any real meaning. Why don't you frob that proc and yeah. rock it? What does frob mean? Frob is a like actuate, right? Like game yeah, design like twiddle term or for interact with, yeah. basically. Mm. Uh, it's not a good word, but it is easier to say than interact with. Instantiate. I've what's I don't I've never heard it in context though. Uh, so it would be like if there's a quest marker in a game and you had to walk up and press A on it. That's a frob. That's a frob. frob okay. Uh, what is proc even short for? Um. Procedural, synth- proc- I, yeah, synth- I, I initially I heard something it like, about procedure or like process, like a sword that has like a five percent chance of triggering a lightning strike. That's yep. when it procs. Yeah. It does that, but I don't know what. It's hard for me to. I can't think of a word that starts with proc. That is process is like the closest mm. thing that I can like it's not quite the it right has a word for that it does like it processes the the action um but I I don't have anything to back that up that's just like my brain trying to figure it out like if you're if you're if the encounter was like heavily reliant on the piece of gear that your tank was using and your tank was named Jurgen. you could instruct Jurgen to proc now uh, at a critical <laughs> moment in the um, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> yep I feel like you can, you can instruct Jurgen to frob but I don't know that you can, you can instruct Jurgen to proc because I feel like you don't have control over the they proc. might proc from the frob hmm. so in a way hmm. The R in proc doesn't stand for random. <laughs> I mean, that's possible. It could be an acronym. I have no idea. Possible random outcome occurrence. Cool. <laughs> in parentheses, cool. Like a lightning bolt or something. Yeah. That's, a, that's what the C said. Cool. cool guy move. Like a lightning bolt or something. Yeah. Yeah. Possible random cool guy move. Uh, speaking of lightning bolts, the game Hades has a lot of them in it. Yeah. Uh, which I've been playing. Like, so over the Christmas break, I decided that I, I ought to check out Hades, which is the the newest game from Supergiant. It's in early access. Um, the basic structure of which is it's a roguelike with Bastion style combat and transistor style upgrades as you progress through your run. Um, and all of the, the like upgrades that you can get are themed after different. And also it's some sort of weird religious sport. (laughs) Like pyre. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) 
It it has so the the thing that they've taken from Pyre is the conversational stuff. Okay. Um, and and they've actually done that in a pretty clever way. Like it it just is a really nice marriage of theme and game loop structure in that you know the whole premise of the game is that you play as Zagreus and you are Hades' son and you're trying to escape from the underworld. Uh inevitably you die, but being a Can god, you never escape? Uh, not currently because it's in early access. Okay. <laughs> um hypothetically there will be a time when you can. Okay. Um but every time you die you like get shunted back to the kind of hub world and all these other uh denizens of the underworld are there and you can talk to them and they kind of roll out the story of the game slowly as you are able to like give them gifts from your runs. Yeah, that was that was a weird thing. Was like the like you getting a thing which you could which could be turned into a gift for somebody, and it could either be somebody back at base or one of the like Athenian pantheon yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and like the impact that that have is at least when you're starting to play it is is very unclear. Yep, it's it's pretty much not explained at all. Um, but the the main like over at once you play hours and hours and hours of it like I have uh, that stuff becomes mostly the mechanism by which new narrative content is rolled out like oh you, huh so it's give... not like it's not just upgrades and no so huh. the first time you give a gift to a given character they'll give you something in return which basically allows you to like bias your starting build out a little or load out a little bit okay um, and as you use those gifts that that uh, give you like starting loadouts those will upgrade through use. Okay. But giving subsequent gifts to Zeus or Ares or whoever will just give you extra, like, dialogue bits from them. You don't get to control which of the Pantheon blesses you at the beginning of each run, right? So through through this, like, you you give Zeus the first gift and then he gives you, like, Zeus's boon or whatever it's called. And then if you equip that at the beginning Zeus's of the run, boon. it guarantees that the first, like, oh, upgrade right. you find will be of Zeus type. I see. And the the music changes uh, when that happens because Zeus's boon boosts his zoon. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Yeah, correct. The music is fantastic, actually. Um, it's like, you know, w- what you would expect from Darren Korb, but heavier. Yeah. Uh and also it all plays on a zoon. Yeah. It's not it's, some it's not some sort of like crossover with uh with like the the Weeble battles or whatever with the it's not some sort of Zeus Zeus riot. <laughs> not that I've encountered yet. But Okay. I'll write them a letter. Okay. I guess you could describe it as like a, it's it's sort of a march, like a Zeus Souza riot. <laughs> okay, the, um, it's it seems like I am kind of not playing it because it feels like a thing that would be very easy to play compulsively, mm-hmm. and it meets out good story content, right? But it's not 
like I feel like it is relying on my skill to deliver the story to determine the pace of the story content and I suck at it. <laughs> to like, a certain degree that's true. I mean like you will accelerate the rate at which you uncover story progress by being good at the game. Will you or 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 do you by dying more frequently, don't you get to interact with the characters back home more? Yes, but you're bringing back fewer of the, like, gift things that I you see. can use to further your, your the actual narrative. I see. So that that the, that is gated and not just by sort of repetition of interactions, but by the, the boons the that you bring back. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of... There's a lot. There's a lot of, of writing and a lot of characters yeah. and a lot of like, and the VO is really good, yep. yeah. which is a thing that I never believe, but it, it's it's very very good, and I, and like I care about that stuff, but I like, yeah, I don't know. There's something about it. It it like it feels like I I can't. I can't articulate this in a in a way that is not going to sound more insulting than I intend it to be, but it feels like Supergiant is better than this kind of game, right? Supergiant is better than like just a like addictive roguelike thing. Huh. Like hmm. I want I want this game to just have a narrative arc, like a narrative transistor? arc, yeah, and. I, like I and, and it's like like who the fuck am I to tell them what kind of game to make? But this just like this is not what I want out of it. This I think fundamentally, irrespective of who made this game, this is not the kind of game that I. It's not the kind of mechanical experience that I want to deliver the kind of narrative experience that it is. Mm. And I'm super mm-hmm. into the narrative experience, and I'm a little over. Like I wouldn't play Rogue Legacy again if somebody made a game that was like this is like Rogue Legacy. I would think. Oh yeah, man! I spent way more time on Rogue Legacy than Rogue Legacy deserved because of the sort of compulsive loop of playing it, and I just don't want to do that anymore. Like I don't want to play a Diablo game again, right? Like I, I don't know. That said, I'm still gonna fucking play so much more Spelunky in my life, but like. Sure. Spelunky doesn't have like, oh, if I just play four more times and die on the same boss again, I'll get an upgrade. Right. It's like right. there's no meta layer to it. Yeah. Beyond and, like and the that, shortcuts, but that's nothing. And the and the meta layer is what feels irresponsible hmm. to me. It feels like it's like ah fuck. Right. Sh- if you want to like, get that like super giant narrative experience, I, I don't want. I don't want it to be through a, it. And I don't think it's a gross exploitative game, but I think it's a fundamentally gross and exploitative structure mm. for a game. And I, I just don't. I don't want to spend a bunch of time on it, even yep. though I do want to see the narrative stuff. Also, like every time I get to that first boss, I just get like. Fucking immediately destroyed the and something like Megaranth. Megara. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. like, I'm never gonna beat that. I'm never going to win that fight. I mean, and I like I the first time that I played it, I just like I was like, oh, I'll check this out. And then fucking eight hours later, it was 1 a.m. Yeah. and I was still playing. And at, like, you know, I'm not saying that this is necessarily going to be everyone's experience or is actually a good experience, but I definitely got a lot better at it, or at least figure out a way for me to be successful. And realistically, a lot of that, what that entails is making sure that I get a good like power up for my dash. 
And then when things start getting hard yeah. with Megara and beyond, I just stop really attacking and just dash around constantly. I see, and I fucking hate that. I hate how the dash feels, and so I never use mm. it. And that's that's why I'm no good at the game. Oh like, yeah, those yep. those <laughs> there it is. I, like it. What's fair? I mean, I fucking hate it. It like the the just dead frames after it completes make me want to throw my fucking keyboard through the wall. I hate it. So the I I the point that I got to that like really opened the game up for me and the fact that this there is a point to point like point at and and say this is where it where it started working yeah. is arguably inherently somewhat problematic. But you can upgrade through the mirror the number of dashes you can do in a row. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I got so, it like, to three, you can get away from, then you can get like, out of the action. So exactly. the, the paralysis doesn't matter because you're far enough away. But at it's that still, point. it's not, it's not the thing that bothers me about the paralysis is not that it puts you in danger. It's the fact that it is paralysis. Mm. It is the worst thing that like it upsets me in the same way that the little bit of animation that you added when the player gets out of the bed in West of Loathing mm. also makes me want to throw my computer in the toilet. Like, just having control of the player taken away from me. You haven't even had control yet at that point. You've had control before that point. Like, oh, you mean when you at like the daily? Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, well, just don't don't pass it. I know. No, I don't. But yeah, it's I. I don't know. I don't know. And this is just a problem with me, right? Like this is not sure. like. But I think that dashing is very important to. Yes. Yeah, that, like that that action, the dash action, is the thing that that combat is entirely hung around. Yeah, and, which is and, the same as it was in Bastion with like the the roll dodge thing. Uh, and yeah, if if that is not a thing that feels good to you, then you're and therefore you don't do it. You're just probably you just not can't. Gonna, I, yeah, I just can't play the game. Probably. Yeah, yeah, like those. Um, there's an enemy category that does like a dash attack at you, and like more or less the first time I run into a significant number of those enemies in a room is when my game ends because I yep. just cannot. You have out. to dash. You in have order to, to dash avoid to get them. Them. Yeah. Uh, it's the spear lets me get. The spear lets me survive until I find a room full of those that have armor, and then I die to them. But yeah, it's entirely about me not being willing to dash. <laughs> So interestingly, like, until very recently, until I started upgrading the, like, bonus damage you get for having a cast resource lodged in an enemy, I did not use the cast at all because it just was, like, moving my my thumb away from the main actions that I was doing for barely additional damage. Um, but now that I have, like, upgraded that to actually have some... some mechanical payoff it's like oh okay i can incorporate this into my play is that the one where you have like two or three charges or whatever and you have to like reclaim the bullets or whatever yeah which is like also i find generally too much to think about in the heat of combat um yeah but until very recently uh when i played the beginner's guide for a second time bastion was the only game that i'd played through to completion twice except for, like, when I was much younger. Hmm. Um, so that should tell you something about, like, how far up this alley, up my alley this game is. I And see, I was, like, a much, much bigger fan of Transistor mm. than I was of Bastion. And, like, I didn't ever finish Bastion. And I, although Bastion I didn't finish... It, it Like, I didn't bounce off of that because it was hard. I bounced off of that because it was kind of boring. Mm. Like, I felt like there were only two 
types of enemies in Bastion. That was it. Hades has like five. Yeah, and they're they're adding some they're, more. They're very different from one another, though. Yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. that's the, the archetypes are pretty well defined. Yeah, it's I. I also kind of find Hades a little, and this is a problem that I have a lot of the time, like both because I'm old and my reflexes are bad and also because my color vision is not super good. I often find myself like getting hit because there was an obstacle that I didn't recognize mm. was an obstacle in the there, room. Yeah. They look really, really nice, but the, yeah, the, the style what, what is, interferes with the legibility yeah, of yeah. it in a way that is a bummer. What's solid and what's not is, yeah. is not always 100% clear. Yeah. And, and also like things that are smaller than you want to have collision do have collision. Yeah. And then some things weirdly don't have collision, and then some things are some things just kill you when you walk over them. Like, ah fuck, right. And that was one of those. Yeah. I didn't see it because I was trying like I was trying to have like situational awareness of the entire battlefield and I missed the the pressure plate, which is fine. I mean that's gameplay. Right. Right. But it's it's interesting to me that like I feel like I've played an hour of it at three different points and it the difficulty either they're tweaking it a lot or it's extremely variable based on what sorts of rooms and enemies get rolled i i mean they they have been re, like they they are doing monthly updates and they have been rebalancing stuff when they do those updates and and a little bit in between um but i think mostly it's about the fact that like certain enemies are really good and really bad matchup for certain weapons yeah. Like I only ever use the shield or the bow and arrow because I'm fucking the bow trash and arrow. with That's the other two. That's insane to me. That is so hard to like. It's because I played so much Bastion. I see. So I'm I'm like really used to that pattern of just keeping my spacing and unloading shots and not always getting the power shot, but always having enough time to at least like hit, hit a little bit and move. Hit a little yeah, bit move exactly. I so I, I only I only use the spear. Like mm. as soon as I unlock the spear, I'm like, this is my weapon. The there are many sword? like it, but this one is mine. The the starting weapon yeah, has a, has that. What is the like? There's like a. In addition to the, the Q the, move, the, the special, special, the special or whatever, which it's like a AOE pushback. Yeah, like that. With if you if you can upgrade that, it becomes incredibly powerful, mm. and that's what I would always I would always God. hope for like an upgrade on that. So I'm I'm like terrible at avoiding damage when I'm in close, so I don't use the sword. But also the recovery time on that thing always felt so insanely slow to me that because I was just it, been unwilling. Because it always to, stunned the enemies, it was never a problem. Fair enough. No, I, I believe that it works. It just I doesn't just, like have a bosses, mental block against bosses it. As well. And the recovery time on the dash doesn't just fucking destroy you. I mean, I'd, it, like it, for the first chunk of time that I played, it was rough. But then once I got to like double dash and triple dash, because I was playing, so this, you like, went to stop playing Hades and started playing Mario Kart Double Dash. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> they, they made a new weird like <laughs> Greek gods version. <laughs> um. Yeah, but because like I was already trying to play this like keep my distance chip damage approach to to the game, then once I was able to just like really keep my spacing with the upgraded dash it it kind of clicked for me I like that game I'm gonna keep playing a lot probably I think it is undeniably a good video game and a worthy video game but it is not I think I'm it's not a Zach video game I think it might not be a Zach video game at least That's it might fine. not be a Zach video game in 2019 yeah like Zach's, your taste running out of time before the tomb what? 
My life is, I have less life in front of me than I did when I was like super into Diablo 2. So this that, is not how I'm like announcing to you that I'm terminally ill. This, I would, I would tell you in private. Uh, so, but you seriously wouldn't play another game like Diablo 2. I shouldn't. I understand that I shouldn't play another game like Diablo 2. I like, I don't, I don't huh. need another lifestyle game. Well, in my so, life but like style. what so what is different about spending 12 hours with pillars of eternity and 12 hours with hades because I, i'll be done with it and it's novel narrative content and it's not like it's not like a proc gen upgrade fest it's like a it's like a bespoke upgrade fest huh every everything you're seeing is always fresh and something like that whereas like is it though well sure i mean, I mean sure. there's a, there's a conversation to be had there right like while I mean, it is designed it is not every movie you watch fresh. is just man versus nature or oh, I was saying, it's just or... photons on a medium <laughs> sure <laughs> all at once the way i see it too which is like <laughs> yeah the fuck I, how do you, reservoir you even... dogs was crazy yeah it was just like a smear of every color <laughs> Pink and as far as I know, yeah, an infinite amount of time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So Hades. Yeah. What else are you? Uh, besides Hades, I, I mentioned uh, two very short and delightful games that I've played recently: uh, the Beginner's Guide, which was Davy Reedon's oh, follow-up wow. to. Was that your first Stanley time playing Parable? the Beginner's? No, I'd played it once before. Okay. Um, that game fucking destroys me. Really? I think it's amazing. Uh, it I feel seen by that game in a way that I don't commonly, which, you know, that says some things about my, my psyche and my relationship to my work. But, huh. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just think it's, like, a really interesting conceit, a really interesting twist. It has interesting things to say about creative work and game development specifically. I like the first time that I played it, I, I went through this arc of the first, you know, three quarters or so of the game I found really inspiring from a standpoint of, I want to make more small experimental things that are just like, you can experience it within a few minutes and it stands on its own and it communicates something and it's done and it doesn't overstay its welcome. Uh, and I, I've been since then trying to find space in my life to make that kind of stuff. Um, but then, you know, it hits the twist uh, and it starts speaking to, you know, need for recognition and need for other people's input to introduce value into the work that you create. Um, and, it it just like laid me down, hmm. uh, and and I think part of that was because I first played it. Um, Davey was on an episode of Tone Control, Steve Gaynor's like game design podcast, uh, and I'd heard that I was mentioned in it, so I went and I said, "Okay, I'm going to play this game now." so that I can go listen to this episode without spoiling it. And that just like made all of that shit around like the need to be seen and recognized hit even fucking harder than it was going to otherwise. Huh? Uh, yeah, it just like absolutely destroyed me and I love it. 
In what, what, was like, the, what was the mention? Yeah, what were the mention? Oh, I mean, it, like, Davey and I met um, at a party at GDC some years ago. It was before the full version of Stanley Parable had come out, but I'd played the mod version and used it as inspiration for a pitch for a Bioshock Infinite DLC that I, I submitted while I was still at Rational. Um, and so Davey was, was talking about how, like, you know, as far as he was concerned, I was, like, a designer at Irrational being excited about his work. I see. Little did he know I was like some shithead junior designer <laughs> at the time. Um, yeah, but I'm sure you knew you were a shithead. He'd met well, you sure. after all. Yeah, he spoke to me for more than three seconds. <laughs> uh, did they do, they did some DLC for Bioshock Infinite, right? Yeah, they did three DLCs, one of which was like just combat arenas and then, and then the, the Rapture Noir. Thing. Yeah. Was that any good? Was it, yeah, I mean there there's interest like it's it's hard for me to completely divorce and like step back yeah, yeah, because yeah. I worked on it slightly, um, not not to completion I should say, uh, but I, I think there's a bunch of interesting stuff in there. Um, I mean, is there is there any are either of those two pieces gonna be like Minerva's Den in no. five years? They're no, I don't think so. It is weird how well Minerva's Den worked given what it actually was Mm. right because there was still just a bunch of fucking set traps for a huge number of whatever those guys were called splicers slicers splicers splicers to like ambush you but like yeah it's so that the the infinite dlc didn't uh no ken ken did not take to my pitch didn't live up to that (laughs) Um, what was the other one? The, the one that was not the noir one? Oh, sorry. The, so the, there was like literally a bunch of sort of arcade mode combat bowls where it was just like wave defense and we churned it out in like four to six weeks. Jeez. Uh, cause like we, we came so darn close to the wire on shipping the game in the first place that there had been no advance work done. So we just, made the thing that was easiest and acceptable um, and then got to work on making a two-part DLC that took place in in Rapture and was like telling an actually new story instead of just like some combat you can play. Did they have to redo all of the assets for uh-huh. Rapture? Yep. What a bunch of work. Yeah. That seems like... Could they at least use the original assets and just put better textures on them or increase the fidelity of them? As far as I know, everything was remade from scratch. Wow. Yeah, it's insane. Um, Like, even when I was there and they decided to make it set in Rapture, I was like, this does not seem like an economical way to go about this. Because, yeah, it's just a ludicrous amount of additional work when you already have all of your, like, kits and assets to make stuff set in Colombia. And it doesn't thinking back, I mean I guess it was years between Bio 2 and Infinite, but like doesn't seem like that big of a leap in fidelity like but I guess it was. I think it was a full unreal engine upgrade. I'm bl- I'm not positive, but I believe Bio 2 was made on the like Unreal 2.5 version of the engine that they use for Bio 1 as well. I'm not 100% mm-hmm. sure. And then Bioshock Infinite was on Rail 3. Hmm. Um, yeah. 
What was your Stanley Parable thing going to be? Are you allowed to talk about this? Uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it was never made. The right? company yeah. doesn't. The company theoretically doesn't exist anymore. So right. it, it's like, unless it was like, oh, it's narrative Legos. <laughs> Ken Levine can't come after you. <laughs> yeah. Um. So th- I mean, the the basic idea was like a thing sort of taking taking the structure of Stanley Parable where you could play through a sequence of of choices and use the tears in the game to kind of rewind and and make different choices and it was very much about mm. like exploring a branching mm. thing with different endings and you you had control over how you would navigate through those um it just seemed like a really good fit to me for the whole like multiverse thing that was going on in Bioshock Infinite and doing some spoilers. Oh my god. Yeah, sorry if you haven't played Bioshock Infinite yet. It's a video game. Um there's a lighthouse in it. There's a lighthouse. There's <laughs> always a lighthouse. Set. That was announced uh, for coming out to Switch soon, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Bioshock Infinite? Yeah. Huh. Jeez. Who's making that happen? Uh if I had to guess, it would be Disbelief, which is the old tech team from Rational and Midway, which is now a like tech shop for like porting video and games and optimization and stuff like that. Who owns the IP at this point? Is it still Ken? Uh, like Bioshock, at yeah. the, the IP Bioshock. Um, I believe it's 2K still. Uh. I don't know if Ken has any claim to it as well, but certainly, like all like the Bioshock Infinite repo is still on the 2K servers somewhere. Was it just Marin that collapsed, and the larger 2K organization still exists? Yeah, 2K is... definitely still exists. Okay. Like they they are buoyed primarily by the NBA 2K games uh, made by Visual Concepts, um, which you know they and it's an annualized release and really successful uh and then they also have like hangar 13 is in their stable um they they've spun up a new team with a thing that i can't talk about uh and they you know they publish like the borderlands games and they're they're very much still extant but um that name though why 2k uh does it bug you i don't know should we talk about our assignment <gasps> Pikuniku. Sure. Sure. It's um we hundred percented the co-op section in like an half hour. an hour. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was, uh it's cute. I yeah, and it's, it's fun. It's weird though that like I am not normally like a length queen, but it really I was honestly okay with I it. I want there to be more of this. It was just, it, it's it just is. delightful though. It's just yeah, fun did, and it's over and then it's great. That's great. Move is on. It, do something else. Is it, uh, did you look at the single player? Is it the same thing in multiplayer as single player? It's totally different. Okay. I mean, well, yeah, I mean, and I did not get time to play the single player. So single player is like why. two or three hours. I wish it's, I had spent more time on this. It's okay. like a little narrative. I'm probably, it's a about, narrative arc. I'm probably about two thirds of that then. I, I, I got to the bit where you meet a blob and break his potteries. Okay. Yeah, that's about two thirds of the way through. Do you break them by kicking them? You can. Yeah. Yeah. Or just run into them until they fall off the shelf. <laughs> the co-op was fun. There was just enough hidden stuff. I think it would have been tedious if there had been much more. Sure. 
stuff to find or more difficult stuff to find. Yeah, there's like four more trophies in the co-op. Content. At least if it hadn't told you, like, if there was no, like, checklist of, like, you missed two of the secrets in this level, that would have been fine. I would have actually enjoyed searching for stuff together, I think, if I yeah. had known whether there was something Where they there were. or not. But, yeah. like, not knowing, I think it would not be. Because, like, the okay. physics are fudgy enough that you can get places that you maybe shouldn't be able to. Yeah. And so you never know whether you're supposed to be able to get somewhere or not if it's, like, a super secret. And the other half of it was the, like, a couple of the co-op levels are these, effectively, these little little race Driving car levels. levels. <laughs> Are there ever, do you ever get into one of those Easter cars in the yeah. single level? No. It's uh, to, it's totally just co-op. It's cool. There's always like a fast car hidden somewhere else on the level. Yep. <laughs> uh there's a there's a phenomenal Easter egg in in the in the car, car levels and the horn. Oh yeah, yeah. Very good. You just have to you just have to play it to figure that one out. It's great. It's so good. Um I don't know that there's much to say about this game. It's a fun, cute little yeah. physics-y platformer. The, the animation for how the characters move is extremely the cute. And the, yeah, they're just the scampering, scampering around back and forth until he settles himself. It's <laughs> got to be procedural, right? Yeah. Like, oh, it's, for sure. Yeah. It's yeah. it's like it's like so it's kind of like recasting to the ground plane and like sticking your foot to it. For yeah, sure. yeah. But it's it's yeah it's super super delightful. I would yeah like, the writing is super cute. That there's the wonderful little introductory cutscene of the guy talking about free money. It's really funny. the the game ends and the credits run and then it drops you back into the game, basically at the start. But then it's still after all of the events of the game have transpired and the character, all the characters that you interact with have new things to say. There's yeah. like an, like sort of like a little epilogue kind of thing where you can go and talk to people, which is something that I have not seen in many games. Um, but it was nice. It was like, it, it was, you could opt to go and talk to the characters that you'd been hanging out with for a couple hours and see how they're doing now that the world's different than it was or whatever. Can you kick everybody in the single player too you can uh most people don't go flying okay um which is good they're they're like even just as a spectator there is an incredible amount of joy that comes from the like kick sound and and velocity that results and you're you're trying to kick somebody up to a platform and you accidentally kick them across the room and there's a really great physical comedy yeah like trying to get a ball over like a like a embankment or whatever is always a challenge and and a, a ton of fun it's it's tuned such that like you're gonna fuck up a lot but then you're always gonna achieve your goal after a couple funny things happens which is yeah. pretty slick that is really yeah good. that's like a hard edge to ride for sure yeah what was the what was that um game at fantastic arcade the history of cricket or whatever oh yeah cricket through the ages cricket through the ages yeah. uh like that that reminded me of that like a like a more or less physicsy game but with some constraints and like something funny always happens and yeah yeah and you get the sense that that's tweaked a little bit to make sure like to encourage interaction like yeah, humorous interaction sort of combinatorial hilarity yeah yep um yeah, I guess like the fact that it is like a ten or twelve dollar game and it is only two or three hours is a little weird. I, it feels like it wouldn't be weird if it were 
like a more story driven game. Maybe the single, I mean, I, I can't speak to the single player, which is dumb. If I had spent a couple hours on the single player and been satisfied, I would have been probably totally satisfied with it. But and maybe that, that's the difference, like, right? With the fact that like we did all of the co-op and we hundred percented it and it was a half an hour, even though it's like these levels, it's not like you needed to make a lot of new assets to make the levels. I mean, they had to be designed or whatever, right. but it's like, I wouldn't have minded if it had been twice as long and we had just done the same shit twice yeah. each you know, it just felt like, ah, fuck, I was really looking forward to this. And we just completely plumbed it in no time at all was the was the the source of that feeling in me, I think. You you weren't ready for it to be over. Yeah. 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 yeah but that's at true. the same time, like, that's better than the alternative, right? Than it outstaying its welcome. Yeah. 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 Which, like, is a hard thing to hold on to when you want to experience more of a thing. But yeah. But it's also, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that if it had been five minutes long, it would be like, that was way too fucking short. And sure. if it had been a hundred hours long, that's way too fucking long. But like somewhere, like I God. think the length that it was, I think, I think I don't, I don't feel like I'm being unfair when I assess it as being too short. To Somebody mod me. Pikuniku into Skyrim, please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would actually be pretty great. And just keep kicking your way up. A Instead of your mountain. hands in front of you, you've got your feet. You see that mountain over there? You can kick it. Uh, so like Frog Detective, you, that was also like an hour or two, but was fine. Yeah, but that wasn't a video game. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Ooh. All right. Um, if there had been more goals in Frog Detective, mm -hmm. I th like... All of your time in Frog Detective is just basking in the scenery and experiencing the environment and talking to the quirky characters in it. And your time in Pikuniku is jumping over shit and trying to kick balls onto switches, mm -hmm. right? And it's like... Driving a race car. Systemic, and it's not narrative. It, it sounds like the single player is a little more rich in that respect. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely a saying there is right narrative, yeah. yeah. It's definitely a narrative experience. How the fuck I justify even coming on this show having not played? I think I thought of it as just a co-op game. Like, I, I also well, it was marketed did. strongly that way, or that was my impression anyway as yeah. well. Yeah, I, the only mode that was available at uh, at XOXO, which where we saw it for the first time, was was the co-op mode, and so I thought yeah. that was the whole game until yeah. I loaded it up for the first time. So really, this is a failure of expectations on my part. Sure. I think we actually, that means we probably played through most of the co-op mode at XOXO now that I think about it. Yeah, because we did, I feel like we did play like 15 minutes of it or so. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Uh, yeah, it is a little surprising that they don't just have more levels. Even with, with just the physics that they have modeled, it seems like you could do another ha like half a dozen types of experiences and interactions and it wouldn't yeah. Get old. But, you know, armchair. It's sure. It's easy to quarterback from we're the armchair. literally in armchair. It's a good thing these chairs have arms. Yeah, yeah I know. Because we're quarterbacking hard. <laughs> the chairs have arms is my upcoming favorite horror film. Rob Zombie movie. <laughs> but they're the arms of th your family. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. The arms of fate. Um, we did not pick an assignment. We did not for next time. Seth, 
make us play a game for next time. Uh, do you need me to tell you that game right now? Yes. Oh, unfortunately, unfortunately. Off yeah. the top of your head, what's something you think we should play? Uh, that we haven't already done as an assignment. That we haven't already done as an assignment and that is not going to take up a bunch of time uh, out of our DLC releasing schedule. Yep. Have you checked out Don't Feed the Monkeys? Nope. No. That might be worthwhile. Okay. That's, that's one of the out IGF available? noms. Okay. Don't um, feed the monkeys. It is available. Okay. So in this IGF noms, you're trying to stop the monkeys from having noms. Yes. Oh. Does it take place in nom? <laughs> Weirdly, yes. <laughs> Don't feed the monkeys Asian orange. It's bad for them. <laughs> I mean, probably a lot of things that are bad for monkeys. Uh, what kind of game is it? It is a surveillance game. So the basic premise is you are hired to observe a bunch of cameras uh, that have views into people's lives or places, um, and you are responsible for kind of just, like, surveilling them, and there's some, like, sort of detective-style... exploration between the things that you see that people do and then like looking things up on their, their fake internet. Um, but you also have to like do odd jobs to make sure that you're fed and hydrated and all these kinds of things. Um, I've only played about maybe 30 minutes of it, so I don't know where it goes from there, but that's the basic set setup of it. Uh, cool. It seemed pretty interesting. All right. So we're not going to feed the monkeys for next week. Do not. Okay. Well, gentlemen, I've had a fantastic time recording episode number 359 of Video Games Hot Dog with you. And Seth, I hope you come back and join us very soon. Me too. And listeners, I hope you'll join us even in the meantime. But if you don't, Seth will be on the next episode. (laughs) Are we returning to our roots with the next one? Coming a full 360? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Sweet. Also, Also, you have to record it while twirling the entire time. Oh, good. <laughs> he, Kevin always twirls. That's true. <laughs> you didn't notice that he's been twirling the entire time you've been in here? Now that you mention it, he's just been rotating very, very slowly. Yeah. Twirling so his mustache. When you don't notice. All right. Good night, everyone. Cockaboo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-bo